commence primary ignition. This is Star Wars. Look out! You may fire when ready. From the bright center of the galaxy, I'm Grax Kondak, and you're listening to Core World News, your Hornet News show of in-depth coverage for the latest stories from around the galaxy. Welcome to a Reading Raftar special. Take a wandering year and voyage beyond the lesser galaxy and into the chaos with your hosts Ben, Grant, and Adam for their discussion of Thrawn Ascendancy, Greater Good. Right. Thank you so much, Grex. Yeah. Um, and thank you all for joining us for another episode of Core World News. Um, we're talking to you a lot lately. We talked to you on May the 4th, and uh, we're back at you this week with two more episodes because I guess it's raining Star Wars. Yeah. Um, and I couldn't be happier. Um, so we are going to tell you about, in this episode, Thrawn Descendancy, Book Do, Great and Good. And um, this is a fantastic book. Another Timothy Zahn gem. Um, I always look forward to these. I'm glad they're like regular regular donations to canon that Zahn gets to just crank out another Thrawn book because they're, they're it's their own flavor of thing. Um, what, are you two, what, are your, what are your two first takeaways walking away from this book? I know we all read this book this week, so. This book I, I find, yeah. How did you feel, Adam? I, I also really, really enjoyed it. I, I I find these books somewhat amazing. And the reason why I find them amazing is it shows how large the Galaxy Edge is and how much Star Wars is willing to try new stories. Like this, this is a book where the, really the only character we are familiar with, if you watched kind of the close you, like if you watched the TV shows, is... Thrawn, right? You only know Thrawn. I think they mentioned the Force a couple of times because of Thrawn's interactions with Anakin. But, like, I just... It's amazing, right? This is just a lore-building sci-fi book. I, I, I would read this book for, like, 100 pages and forget I was reading a Star Wars book. And I don't mean that as a slight, right? Like, it felt like I was reading a fantasy sci-fi book that was building a new world. And then I'd keep reminding myself, oh, this is just happening like a few parsecs away from. Right. Like Less everything space, else. They say. Yeah. 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 I, I just love the, the style and, and the structure of the story yeah. story. The, um, the idea that you get this plotting kind of logistical military campaign with Thrawn. And it feels like almost this, this whodunit, uh, voyage, you know, through the, the chaos and exploring these different mm -hmm. cultures and and saving cultures and um, um, and doing all you can to to protect the Chiss ascendancy and, and and that whole voyage with Thrawn mixed with the dark infiltration. Uh, this sort of the sort of yeah. wonderful subplot um, of of a dark infiltration. Um, the Grisk are back. Um, we're we're feeling that there's a, another unidentified threat um, for the Chiss and, uh, and Thrawn's also kind of like catching on to this in the book. And it's, um, it's fascinating to see the inner workings of his mind and, uh, this kind of dark infiltration and this, this kind of divide and conquer, um, attack on the Chiss, uh, really, really like the structure of the, the, the novel. Me too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the two brightest spots of this book for me, it, it is, it's sort of like if Sherlock Holmes was a naval commander. Yeah, and, 100%. And like, and like, instead of just like picking up clues, he adapted it towards um, 
about, you know, military tactics. And it's those like military tactics that I just can't get enough of. I, I love it through this book. And there's so much. And it's not just Thrawn this time. There's other people talking tactics. And I thought he did a really good job in this book, particularly setting up Thrawn to do really great maneuvers. Like you see some other people and their ideas and you see there's a, a lot of pieces moving around the, you know, the ascendancy uh, chessboard, as it were. Um, but whenever Thrawn has his moments, I think he really shines and it was, it was just really fun whenever, um, you know, he pulled it out again. And it's like, it's a real talent, I think, to kind of do the same trick on stage over and over again. This is like, I don't, I don't even know how many, this is the fifth, this is the seventh book. Wait, Uh, trilogies before this one? No, one trilogy. trilogy. line so. yeah, yeah and then there was so, the, the one before it so this is the in new eu this new is the fifth fifth yeah fifth yeah. thrawn book right and then he's, yeah. he's done what like six or eight before it in the in the legends i saw it in the back i'm, I'm sorry i'm not quoting it exactly but no i mean it's the heir of the empire trilogy and then the thrawn duology is, so is this not five seven? wow all right so this is 10 thrawn book so yeah it's just he's it takes a real talent to do this and make it fun and entertaining and engrossing each time it's like I, I always talk like this is if you're playing bingo, I'm going to mention Zatuichi right now. So if you had Zatuichi fill in your square, <laughs> it's a sort of like Zatuichi is the same show over and over again. Yeah. This kind of is, but I love it every time. And it's it's so complex. It's their new maneuvers every time. Um, and it's this new sort of thing. Yeah. And his legend is growing and everyone now just like expects Thrawn to be awesome. Um, yeah. Which and is to- kind of cool too how it how it goes. And he's building up a reputation um, and he's still sort of surprising. That's, it, that's fascinating. You bring up Zatoichi because mm. um, um, coming off of Alphabet Squadron, it, it, it's interesting to see how Freed depicts action in space versus oh, yeah. how Zahn, uh, yeah. Zahn depicts, uh, uh, writes it. And it's, uh, it's interesting because it does feel almost like samurai action in a way because mm-hmm. Timothy Zahn will stretch the tension out and mm-hmm. it, by keeping identities and enemy firepower a complete secret and mystery, like we don't right. know really what we're up against until the moment of conflict, until like you have right. to pull the sword, you have to attack. Like right. there's a, you know, it just, you know, action, you know, has to be taken. And it, it has to be that snappy judgment uh, that Thrawn is so good at. It has to be someone like Thrawn to solve it. And he does every time and he pulls mm-hmm. his crew out every time. And and uh, Sumacro at the end of the book is like this guy. Yeah will get us out of any storm. I'm ride or die with Thrawn, uh, yeah. which was really Even though he cool. was very critical, Smucker is his first lieutenant or first... Uh, first officer, first, I think, right? First yeah. officer. Yeah. yeah, and he was he was very critical of him in a lot of ways, but he was just like, no, he's he's there always, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, a the, fun art for Smucker. We'll get there, but like the debrief at the very end of the book with Sumatra, and, yeah. and like, I love that. Like, to me, that there's a moment that I have a couple things where we'll talk about where it's just like Thrawn is described to a T and I have a couple things I want to return to and is, is Thrawn a bad guy? I think that's a good conversation we have to have at some point. Um, but the other thing, Ben, I wanted to mention is that we talk about this kind of fifth book in the new EU and he kind of does the same trick over and over again, but amazes every time, which is really a talent. I think I've cracked a bit of the code and the code I think is the book is called Thrawn. Thrawn's only in about a quarter of this book. Yeah, he used like, to use Thrawn more sparingly. He's like in the first quarter and the last quarter of this book quite a bit. But that middle half, very little Thrawn. 
in a good way. Like, I think you use him like sparingly and when it's necessary. And then Grant, the other thing I wanted to mention is that like the action stuff, you're right. Like he will, the tension, and I didn't think about this, but you hit the nail on the head. Like he'll just build out that tension of everyone analyzing the chessboard or Thrawn in particular, analyzing that chessboard. And then when the action breaks out, it's probably only a page of action. Yeah. <laughs> and not and not yeah. in a bad way, but it's mostly like because Thrawn's already realized that, no, no, we just need like four salvos and then this is done, right? Like it's not this totally. drawn out, like hour long battle. Like he, when he, when he knows he needs to pull the trigger, he's he's thought 10 moves ahead. So he knows it's going to be relatively quick. Yeah. And compared it's... to Freed, I mean, Alexander Freed would show all the cards, right? He would, he yeah. would like, he would quickly set up and identify everyone. And then it was like the dance of the dog yeah. fight pros yeah. were that would then build out that tension. And it was, yeah. it, it was just a different style. And it's well, you're talking cool. about different, right? You're, I mean, right. Zahn is right. One's is, naval big ships, one starfighters, right? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like you're, but I think that's important, right? Because I think that is your, you're writing to your strengths is that Zahn is focused on the commanders, right? The people like moving the pieces and then freed is involved with the pieces, right? Like the, 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 the actual pilots doing the dog fighting. Like we've get very little actual, like, like these are just giant warships blasting each other in in the Thrawn books. There's very little dogfighting happening, right? Very little like single craft combat. Yeah, and you know both uh, Freed and Zahn do a ton of military. Oh yeah, research before they do their books. So um, yeah, that's a great that's a great comparison. Um, we get some of those ships mentioned in this book. Uh, the mm-hmm. ships like. The night dragons and man at war, man at arms. Yeah. I think they're called like different, different uh, warship yeah. classes. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Was and it's cool. weird because you, it's actually kind of tough to visualize. You, you really got to dig because they don't, they're not very descriptive about the ships. They're just like, this no. one's big, this one's a little bit smaller, this one's <laughs> yeah. smaller, you know, gunboats. I just imagine like U boats out in the space. Like, I don't know sort of what. Yeah, I'm the, dying to know what the Springhawk looks like. Like, I just. Yeah. Right. And actually, a couple of times I was sort of like, I mean, I was wondering if it was a plot device because it was like, are any of these people using Star Destroyers? And we'll get there. But I'm just sort of like, I don't know, you know, like they wouldn't recognize them as lesser space ships necessarily if they ran into a Star Destroyer. I think there is strategic vagueness happening in this book at times that we'll talk about. Yeah, Yeah, I think so. We never do this with books, but um, do either of you want to take a crack at like a paragraph summary of this book about what happened because we're sort of going scattershot now we've done sort of a macro view of things and highlights here but as we get deeper into it just like a brief timeline to sort of set people up um i mean i know probably if you're listening to this you know the the plot of this book but just like a a a little scaffolding do you see any value in that uh probably i don't know if i could do it (laughs) yeah i'm thinking Um, if i could do it as succinctly and the answer is no but i can try I mean, yeah, go I for it. It's, Give it a shot. Give it a mean, shot. All right. I mean, yeah. for me, it was the most basic way to, to set this up is that your word of Thrawn and senior captor Thrawn's kind of merits is spreading throughout the Chiss ascendancy. You're having um, jealousy uh, 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 in the Sith ranks uh, in, in um, God, was it Prime Syndic? Thurfian? Thurfian and Prime Thurfian. Yeah. Who who gets a promotion at the end of the book. But then on the side on in this this wonderful sort of side trajectory, there is a there is this this dark plotting from this character named Jixtus, who Mm -hmm. is trying to incite a civil war among 
the the families of the chiss and um sending in this kind of agent of chaos hapleaf and uh and to 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 start this sort of descent and and and, and to create this this resource war almost and um with this, this mining planet but then there's i guess a, there's like i guess another third plot line is with the the mages which is are these these um these aliens that are found early on in the book by thrawn and uh and they have a connection to the force it's fascinating we have another connection to the force in the unknown regions that's separate from the force and the third site of the chiss which is kind of a fun new reveal in this book um and that is that they call it the beyond that the magus uh people call it the beyond and yeah really weird storyline where they want to like basically die to connect with the force or like yeah uh, heal their heal world the planet really yeah. weird. so yeah. they're like yeah it sort of starts them investigating what happened to this planet with magus's planet and their thing and as it turns out that whatever the people that destroyed that planet were secretly infiltrating the Chiss right now to do the same to them all uh, at the, the beck and call of this Jixtus character um, who is just really, I mean, he wanted to get rid of this, you know, the Chiss or really just like, I don't know. It, it's all very vague, right? Are yeah, antagonists I, in this? Yeah. Well, can I cheat yeah. and read you the publisher summary paragraph? Yeah, let's because because I because here's the thing. I was reading it because I was I, I was doing the same thing where I'm like I was reading this book and I was following this book and then when Ben started saying like can you summarize this book I started getting that anxiety I haven't felt since I was like in fifth grade where I had to do a book report <laughs> so I'm like I understood it this no, is it's a fine. book report though I don't know if you knew that but, but it's fine <laughs> but like this book is so dense in such a great way but here's here's the second paragraph and I think it actually hits to a T why we're having trouble doing this across the ascendancy. Seemingly inconsequential events could herald the doom of the Chiss. I'm going to stop at that sentence along, right? Yeah. There is a lot of seemingly inconsequential events in this book, which is awesome when you're reading. Because you know when you're reading, like, this matters. It's going to come back around, and everything does. All right. Right. As and this is... Wrong, yeah. Oh, sorry. No, no, do it. I was just going to say that that's the, that's the beautiful um, yeah. Sherlock Holmes aspect. Exactly. Uh, as Thrawn and the expansionary defense fleet rally to uncover the enemy plot, they discover a chilling truth. Rather than invade Chiss capitals or pillage resources, this mysterious enemy, read Jixtus, uh, strikes at the very foundation of the ascendancy by widening the rifts between the nine ruling families and 40 great houses below. As rivalry and suspicion sow discord among allies, each warrior must decide what matters most, the security of their family or the survival of the ascendancy itself. Like that's actually a pretty good summary of the yeah, book. That's pretty succinct. Yeah, I like that. And like yeah. at the end, Thrawn wins, kind of with help. We'll talk about that help in a minute because mm-hmm. I think there's actually said because that last line is about like that. But they decide that the Chiss ascendancy matters more. The day is saved for now, but the darkness still lurks. Right, and I think in the book we kind of have we real there's like four narratives, right? Yeah. There's this flashback narrative with Haplif, who's our main antagonist, um, doing the bidding of Jixtus. Yep. There's the like, there's the military like triumvirate of Thrawn, Admiral Arlani, and uh, Lakinda, Admiral Lakinda. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then there's sort of this p- political. There's a, there's Haplif in real time doing his sort of like on the ground um maneuverings on um yeah. Selwis, um which again is seemingly makes no sense because it's very on the ground in chess which is a great viewpoint 
And then yeah. there's a super overarching highest reaches political maneuvering that's been a theme um, throughout this series where the um, Thir- Syndic, Thir- Syndic Prime Thurfian, um, who's, I, I think actually he's my most fascinating character and yeah. uh, who's sort of, who wants Thrawn out, but he's, my question to you, and maybe we answer this later, is Thurfian a villain? Like he, he and this guy Zestalmu are conspiring to get rid of, of Thrawn be- yeah. Because because they're worried that Thrawn is going to take down the ascendancy with his rash behavior. But but is is Thurfian a villain? It's hard, right? Like it's hard to figure out who's villain who are villains, except for like clearly Hapliff and Jixis, because like I, I don't know. Like I'm reading I'm reading along and I'm like, I, I don't know if he's wrong right like like he does have the best intentions for yeah. the 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 chiss in mind and when i was reading his things he's actually a pretty benevolent leader and cares about yeah. does some right. you know and, good well we don't know the full story of the myth family like the no. family hails from and it's kind of teased at the end of this teased. book <laughs> and i was like that story i yeah. think when we learn a bit more about that we can make a better judgment on thurfian because yeah uh, there might be something in there that's a there might be a dark secret in there or something that he's yeah. you know might a, keep a secret a dark side secret uh so i feel like yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, it's hard to say whether he's evil because like at the end of the day they i mean zon loves thrawn and I mean, just that sentence alone should probably explain why Zahn loves Thrawn. I mean, to name a character, basically your name. Slightly I think it's very clever marketing, actually. It's just like, yeah. I never forget yeah. who the author of Thrawn is, right? But it's, it's like, true. you know, but like Alexander just, Freed was a good poll because I was like, wait, who was the guy? Oh, yeah. We got to get Zahn on. I mean, we got to get Timothy Zahn on the, on the podcast because I'm so I'm fascinated. Because the same thing. Yeah. Is he is he just is his mind like Thrawn's mind, but not, you know, you know, like I feel like he's very rational with his thinking. Yeah, you but should see I, him make I, a cup of coffee. Timothy's a right. cup of coffee. No one makes a cup of coffee. So that way. Like I would have I would have an anxiety dream of playing chess against Timothy Zahn at some point in my life. I guarantee you. But I feel like I part of me also loves the fact that they talk about Thrawn's weakness in this book. Right. And Zahn's very upfront about yeah. that. And so. I, that's why I'm like, I think that's a really interesting question, Ben, because at the end of the day, you know, I don't know if um, uh, Thurfian is evil because Thrawn's really great at being a military mastermind, but he doesn't understand the game of politics at all. Right. right. And that's his real liability is he, yeah. he's political. Li- could be a political liability. So he can win a war or battle, but he may not understand why that war or that battle is important for the larger good. Right. And that's why I'm like, maybe that's the threat that Thrawn poses is he just wins because he understands. But when he realizes in the larger galaxy, he may not understand the harm he's doing, which is why I want to talk about, I mean, tease that I don't think Thrawn's a bad guy. I think he just got brought into the wrong side of the war. And I think he's a redeemable character. Maybe we'll see this in some future thing. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, coming up in, in live action, perhaps. Yeah, I, I'm going to say Thurfian could be the villain of the next book in a big Absolutely. way. I think the Nyaks uh, <laughs> metal is not going away. I think the Thurfian Thrawn uh, um, kind of um, conflict isn't going to go away. I think that stuff's only going to build. And, yeah. Uh, 
I'm I'm going to go the other way. I respect that. That makes sense. I'm going to go the other way. I think Thurfian's going to realize he needs Thrawn and he needs this outsider and he needs his bad politics and and that the, he's going to, you know, in his dire need, he's going to be like, oh, no, like he's going to have that moment where he needs Thrawn like every other character does. So uh, it'll come around to be an, an ally. I have a timeline question, which is always our favorite thing to do with Star Wars. Right. So okay. We're. We're dealing with prequel, like we're dealing with prequel era timelines, right? Because we know in the last book, he had a side quest to go see Anakin, which was talked about in one of the previous Thrawn books. Yeah, and it's we know that is late Clone Wars, right? Yeah, towards the end. But then we know, like from the from the first Thrawn trilogy, or I think not even from the first Thrawn trilogy, we just had Thrawn. That right. that 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 book just titled Thrawn. Right. We get a bit of his origin in the Empire, but I feel like they discover him on a planet, and, and you get the feeling that he's kind of been exiled in yeah. the Chiss ascendancy, right? Like just kind of given these like far yeah. reaches. So I'm yeah. wondering if like if maybe Grant's he alive. lost he lost yeah. in a major way, right? Like yeah. why wonder- would you be a survivor on this jungle world if you hadn't lost? I think he lost politically. people. Yeah. I, yeah, I feel like he's going to be backed in the corner politically and and not seen as this great person anymore, right? Like he he Thrawn does seem to like he he doesn't have any personal aspirations and I think that's why he's so bad politically cuz he's just like, no, I do the right thing and I win for the just ascendancy, right? And yeah. in this book especially like he didn't even though he was the hero of this book, maybe one person will know about it. If even like his biggest yeah. advocate is uh, General Bakif. Right. And and yeah. And at the end of this book, Bakif doesn't even know what happened and in that final battle. And it was all Thurfian's plan. I mean, uh, Thrawn's plan to um, to that that saved everyone, even though it was, you know, the efforts of everyone that that made it happen. But it was Thrawn's plan again. So, I mean, I could see that the only other counter argument to that is that there is this external or existential threat to the Chiss ascendancy in the lesser space. Maybe because they realize it's Jixtus and they need someone to figure out, like to infiltrate lesser space um, to sort of to figure it out and be a spy and, and Thrawn volunteers himself. Um, yeah. So um, like, I think I don't think he, he was necessary. He he could be banished there as his story states or whatever or left there. But I, I he could also be placed there so or I, you know, I think he placed himself there. That's interesting, but I think the only way Thrawn is going to lose in any sort of skirmish is if it, he's betrayed from the inside, like if if the Chiss betray him in some way. I think that's what Zahn yeah. is setting up in a major way here, I because we're, yeah. we're also getting like a super weapon teased. Spoilers, we'll get there, but like there's there's a super weapon or something like that teased yeah. at the end of this. And I'm like, wait, is the last oh. sentence of a uh, of a book a, a spoiler? <laughs> yeah, but I'm like. I'm thinking to myself, the only way Thrawn is ever going to lose in a battle is if something happens, you know, in the blink of an eye and it takes out everyone like like much like the the great hyperspace disaster in the High Republic, like something like that has to happen and just like like a snap and he would lose. And like to me, when something has the word flash in it, it makes me think that that could be the weapon that stops yeah. Thrawn. Uh, yeah, because it is called a star flash. A star flash. Yeah. yeah. And I and I feel like he will if it's political and not <laughs> militarily advantageous, he's not gonna see it coming. 
right? Because you can make a political decision that sacrifices a lot of people, sacrifices a fleet, does something else that doesn't make sense from a military standpoint, but from a political standpoint. So that's where he's going to just has that blind spot and he's not going to see it coming. Yeah. Well, yeah, I feel like we're getting ahead of ourselves here, sort of wondering what the next book will be. Though, we're though I think about that the next book. let's talk about this book. We should probably talk about this book. Um, <laughs> though I think that will be the crux, right? Because we don't, yeah. that's, we don't really know. We still don't know after all these books, Thrawn's motivation. Even like, even though he does things for the Empire and he's a great, you know, admiral in the, but we don't know why he's there. We don't really know. You know, he's like, glory to the Chist ascendancy. We know he still has something, but we we don't know. Like, he's still a riddle. Like, we don't know what. Yeah. He's, um, his end game is over the course of all the stuff. And so I think the third book, we'll probably talk about that. Um, I was thinking maybe for this book, we're going to talk about this book. Um, we talk about it in terms of those four sort of those four narratives that, that happen. This book. Yeah. And we kind of covered the Thurpian one because it's, that's the shortest one. He's maneuvering against Thrawn, but at the end they sort of realizes like, we can't beat this guy. The best we can hope to do is put some of our people next to him. So they gain some of his glory, which is quite a tribute. And that actually yeah. works. Um, but uh, what about, do you want to talk about the one on the ground? Maybe we'll talk like, so Hapleth, want to talk about Hapleth? Yeah, just want to do the, the Hapleth uh, Jixtus subplot, which kind of ties Jopinic. in. Yeah. Oh, oh, Hapleth Jixtus. Okay, so the. No, the and uh, yeah, the flashbacks that, I mean, because it, it all dovetails together, right? But it I does. feel like, yeah. but I, I feel like that is a subplot of just that. Yeah, those characters. Yeah. Um, right. So we have, this is your favorite character, Adam. You said Hapleth is my favorite character. I mean, I don't, I don't like him. Like like, I wouldn't want to grab a beer with him or be friends, but I, the, the memories part, and and this is something that, that, that Zahn does in, in the last, I think just the last book, maybe it was, I think it was just this new trilogy. I can't remember for certain, but he'll every between chapters ever so often, he'll do kind of a flashback that's just called memories. And, in this book, we're following Hapleth, Um, and I just this is my favorite part of the book because it's just I enjoyed how he wrote these evil machinations, right? And just moving yeah. these characters along. And in a lot of ways, it's kind of Thrawn's counterpart, right? This idea of like another person mm-hmm. figuring out, but but you know, understanding emotions. Thrawn understands civilizations in a weird way or understands like art and like Hapliff understands human emotion. And I thought that was a really interesting counterpart. And these two characters never really meet, never really interact, but they're in some ways kind of the two major counter forces in this book. Yeah, yeah. that is so true. Do you have something to say, Grant? You definitely know how to set the mood to then manipulate your mind. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would call him a monster personally. I thought he was, just oh, yeah. straight evil. Like I don't want to say I mean, chaotic evil, maybe not lawful evil, but just he just he just had a bad intent for for everyone and only wanted to please Jixtus. Felt like just, you know, label him on the bad guy side. Um he'd make a mysterious and which which I loved. I loved that he was the uh, a, he was an Agabu species, which I don't know we don't know much about, but we know oh. that they're force sensitive and they have they there's some cerebral some some light cerebral abilities yeah, like telepathy yeah, tele- or telepathy yeah yeah, yeah. telepathic um so i was i've been watching and just finished last night the uh season three of fargo um with with ewan mcgregor um so there's mm. there's our star wars tie-in 
Um, but it's it's balding all balding. Obi is the best Obi. <laughs> balding Obi, right? Um, they. So it's all about a con artist, right? Yeah. And and Hapliff is a con artist, and in the best kind, he's he's telepathic and he knows how to push people's buttons to to con people and do things. Yeah. And you know, and and people that are unaware, um, that can be easily swayed, um, are sort of taken in by this cult figure, and it's like, but it really seems to only happen to people that let's say are uninformed. Yeah. So there's a, a con artist, you know, creating dissent within a whole population of people through lies and pressing buttons sound familiar to anyone in America mm. right now. I don't know. So there was a lot of, there was a lot of reverberations there. I think there was actually a lot of political commentary about American politics in this book. Um, I don't yeah. know if we want to dig into that. Probably not, but it, it, it was there, I think. But anyway, so I just I I really when I looked at Haplip, I saw um, the embargo from this show who was this like disgusting creature that, you know, that like just just convinces weaker, you know, people they're weak and that they have to do what he says and, and does all these things. And it, it was weird to see Haplip, though, because he did it with kindness. He literally killed. people. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, yeah. yeah. And I just love how much he we were given his inner workings of his brain of just like, can't push this person this far. Have to just gently suggest this. Have yeah. to do this. Like we see him moving those pieces. But like when we break down the plot, it's actually pretty simple. Like there's a lot going on. But basically he was there to pit the various houses against each other by in a lot of ways, just being coming across as this hapless alien from a hapless species who has who has a lot of economic or has a lot of I don't know. I've been reading a lot about about indigenous species and I've been reading a lot about Native Americans or been encountering it. A lot of randomly, a lot of different things have been coming across. It's not intentional. It's just been odd. Like I keep bumping up against it. And so I just kept getting this feeling of just like the chiss trying to take advantage of this species, right? Like it's just their, their idea of this. What is it? The, the Nyaks. Nyaks. Yeah. Yeah. Nyaks. The metal. The metal. Yeah. Metal. That yeah. Basically like, so he, his, his, the, there's a lot going on, but to really boil it down is, uh, hapless was playing this. I mean, also his name just sounds like hapless, like, <laughs> hapless person, right? Like right. it's just, it's kind of like, right so there. weak. We can't Absolutely. control ourselves. We have no weapons. Here, right. take this piece of jewelry as a peace offering. We think we can trade it, but but we don't understand how valuable it is. And we have a mine. We're reminding yeah. this. And right, like it's just like, and it's yeah, just like, trying. You know like, that get... precious metal you use on your warships? We make He's... jewelry from it. Jewelry and we have lots. It. Yeah. We have lots and... of it in this unguarded, like, yeah, unguarded mine on this other planet. I... That's the other reason I really enjoy this character is he used greed. <laughs> Yeah. And 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 like greed and imperialism. Right. And desire for political gain. Yeah. To like just get them to destroy themselves. And I'm not saying like we should do cause a civil war. But like. Maybe people should do that. Like, (laughs) sorry, not like to us, but I'm like, I just I love it. Like, I just love this idea of like, yeah, all he did was just pit these super greedy people against each other. Right. And it right. seems so we find out that the Nyaks actually came from the Magus's uh planet. 
that yeah. that's where they actually made it. So, and it did seem in the first of the memories uh, mm -hmm. chapters, I think this was Jixis's plan. It's like, you need to take this planet to use this material, yep. lure the Chiss. And that's the ultimate goal. It was, it was also the, that that's when on Selwis that he was interacting with Chiss who were from a specific family that were, were kind of um, uh, kicked out of the ruling, the 10 ruling families, yeah. right? They were, right. they, now there's the nine court. ruling families, and this family yeah. was kind of pushed out of the political process. And so they, they rightfully want to be back on tap, on top, and yeah. get access to this metal and and prove that they're they're worth, uh, um, you know, being at the table. Right. Yeah. And I think they were really in a nationalist point of view at that point. I think because they were the the Zodlac, right? And they yeah uh, yeah right. And um and so was one of our uh, chief admirals there yeah, uh kinda kinda right and yeah. so we, we get her point of view about her relationship to her family and her nationalism and whatever um or fam it's like family nationalism but uh but I mean, uh familiar and she's a merit trial born or merit no merit born uh she's merit born um yeah, up, next step up is trial born. trial born yeah yeah so speaking of nationalism we also get uh, we also get hapless using that against them, right? Like, so there's this whole other subplots happening now in the current theme where he is pretending to be basically looking for land to grow this, but there's this whole it's not other thing. sustainable for my spice harvest, right? <laughs> but God forbid, he actually seems like a refugee, right? right. There's a weird subplot happening where he right. can't, where they have to be careful about not seeming like they're war refugees because the just don't want that. Like there's yeah, so no, much yeah. whoa, 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 whoa. modern politics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. The thing that I love though, and I mean, ultimately he has sway over everyone whose mind he can read. Cause then it's just like, yeah. you're an open book. I can, which I thought was a lesson. And I actually wrote this down. It's like your private information is your weakness and your, you know, it, it was like an internet message. It's like, careful what you put out there because when, People know everything about you and your hopes and your dreams and your fears. They can take advantage of you. That's a better and lesson. Uh, my lesson was don't let strangers touch you, but keep yeah. going. <laughs> also a very good lesson. <laughs> Lacfro. Yeah. And so, yeah, we a have Lacfro. A rancher yeah. does not like to be touched. Yeah. And I forget Yopinik's girlfriend's name, but uh, or Beyonce's Yomi? name. Yomi? Yomi? That sounds about right. Yeah. Um, right so they were the only two that were like, yo, don't touch me. And they were the ones that actually got the drop on Hapleth. Um, but the other people that did were the, um, I'm going to just say it, the smart people. Yeah. So Lacuni is the Patriel, uh, which is the step below patriarch for the Zlodnik. And so <laughs> when he takes this, when, um, oh man, when Hapleth, no, uh, Le uh, Lukaviv, who is the the lesser um that he's essentially a judge uh who is you know trying to jockey who who Haplif was taking advantage of ultimately was his mark right. Lukaviv takes it to his petriel thinking he's going to be the hero she listens to his story and she's like you're a moron yeah. <laughs> yeah. she's like, like you're a complete moron and tell no one about this yeah well it wasn't no it wasn't even that she was just like she yeah she was like so this random guy shows up and shows you, you know, what could be a mine, and it's yeah, all this yeah. undefended thing, and he wants to take you there. And she's like, "Man, yeah, if yeah, it yeah. sounds good, too good to be true, it is." You know, yeah. and um, I, you know, and and the same thing happened. Obviously, I just sort of love that. It was like this con that, like, I guess when you're in it, you're like get wrapped up, and you can get 
you know, this just sucked in. And then, but like from a, from a distance, when you see this, you're like, you know, if you've seen a couple cons in your life or you're a strategic thinker, like, you know, Thrawn, he sees this and he's like, yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I was I like, didn't... show it to Thrawn, show it. I was <laughs> the reader yeah. when you're well, reading this book, you're like, yeah, please right. show Please this show jewelry to, to but, Thrawn. But there's also a scene where like, we're going to throw, show it to, to Thrawn. And I'm like, yep. <laughs> yep. And then it's Thrawn. like, okay. 20% of the book later. So I'm just waiting to like, cause the second Thrawn sees it because yeah. he's all about reading art and stuff. I'm like, let's get there. Let's get there. Let's get yeah. there. But it's, it's like Zon does such a good job of just, it is, you just slowly build this out, right? Like you, you can't show it to him too early because you have to have that Sherlock Holmes turn. Right. But it was really kind of an interesting yeah. plot line where it was like a, a harrowing in like adventure from Lackfro to his random buddy in Naparar, to Af Apros, to, um, and then finally to Thrawn, to like, like the guy was like, recognized, like, you know, who would know about this would yeah. be Thrawn. He's yeah, your guy. But it was like, I mean, this, it took him forever for it to get past hand by hand by hand to get there. It, yeah. I don't know, it's a pretty unique storyline. It's kind of an interesting plot device. And, you know, it did set up a long time so they could do a lot of other things before they had to see Thrawn again. Otherwise it would have been a pretty short book. He saw, if he saw that early on, but, um, yeah. Um, I don't know. It was a pretty, that was a pretty wild subplot and it was great because I love to see, I loved seeing average Chiss, you know, far yeah. Chiss farmers. I, yeah. I never thought I'd see a Chiss farmer. We only know. have seen really military and political figures in the Chiss ascendancy. So it was nice to get kind of a different class of people. Yeah. Yeah, like Midwesterners. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah. I this is gonna be kind of a random, but I was just kind of going through some of the stuff I highlighted. And um I, I had this weird moment in the book where I was just like, oh, Wow. Um, the Chiss are not good. <laughs> and like, I mean, I, and that, that's not like a that's not a, a really a, you know, a revelation. But we spent a lot of this book with, is it is it Sherry or Cherry? Who's Sherry, the, Skywalker. the Skywalker Skywalker? And so the Chiss use Skywalkers as navigators, basically. Right. And most of them are young. I think they age out at a fairly young age. So they and they talk a lot about this, like they they don't want to overwork them. They don't want to do this, and that and, and whatever. <laughs> but like, there's, go, there's rest, go to your quarters and don't come out for three days. Weird moment. I just want to read this. Box. Ben, you took the words out of my mouth. There's a juice box moment in this where they where they take this child. Oh, yeah. And they're just like <laughs> literally just like, oh, are you thirsty? Here's a juice box. And I'm like that. For some reason, the idea of giving a child juice and I'm just like, oh, my God, they are using child soldiers like they, they, they may not be like, right. They're not putting a gun. Yeah. They're not getting addicted to drugs. But at the same time, they're putting with the front of a ship. And, yeah, they talk about the fact that they have these like special areas. They put them in when there's war, but they're putting children on warships like it is bleak. Like there's this moment where I was like, oh, like it just came crashing and, and almost keeping them captive on the warship like they can't go anywhere they have a caregiver yeah. that's monitoring them like yeah i mean yeah. that's a cynic's point of view but really i mean they're very well cared they're happy ch child soldiers right so we have also another plot line with um the caregiver thalias which i think is pretty cool 
she's yeah. a former Skywalker. And so one of the really the only current caregiver that was a former Skywalker, which seems crazy um, because they all should be former Skywalkers, you'd think to sense, yeah. have some empathy with these children soldiers, like you said. But I mean, they're cared for, right? They're taken care of these kids. They're they volunteers. Are. You know, they don't have to do yes. this. But it, it does they make are. interesting dynamic. Like, as far as, you know, I feel like Star Wars yeah. media, all of it, shoehorns in children to all their stories to try to, because yeah. that's what yeah. Star And Wars usually is. the it's message scary. is, yeah, things are horrible. But, like, I guess my example is, like, yes, so, yeah, absolutely cared this for. This is a weird way to shoe well in. Well attended. <laughs> now, imagine if the U.S. military put a, a six-year-old on every submarine. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> No matter how many juice boxes you gave them, I would hope as a country would be like, that's weird. Can we have a discussion about that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> talk about that. Very yeah, well, there is talk of it's in I mean, yeah, I don't agree with it either. It definitely feels, you know, morally reprehensible. But you there is talk of like void guides and navigators and yeah. um, like other forms of of you know skywalkers that are out in the unknown regions. Yeah. It seems like that's the way they travel out there. Is they just you like you need someone who's connected to the force. I can love somehow. Yeah. It's, it's it's a different way of going hyperspace, which is great. Like I think it's just. Oh, I think it's, it's just, so. It's nice that they do things differently out there. Yeah, I don't. I don't like. I love the storytelling, and I think it's an important part of the plot. So I'm not. It's not like I have a moral issue with with the writing at all. Like I think it's great storytelling. It was just that or moment of realization yeah. where I'm just like, oh, you guys suck. <laughs> like that's like, it's all. not like Marianne Santeca. It's not that bad. Where it's just like pipes and like oh, you know, no, cables right. no. and like you know like all this yeah, apparatus I mean, coming out of her. It's not okay. like. Yeah, we could do matter of degrees. I'm not going to be okay <laughs> with this. I'm not okay with the. By the way, her name's not Marianne. I, yeah, I was going to say, I'm like, yeah, oh. like a... but 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 <laughs> yeah. Grant, I want to jump into what you said because I loved I loved that they include this. Like, there's so much in this book about like how do you get through hyperspace, and even talking about like we'll get the gistics. Just I can never say his name right. I, I, I yeah, I, you know Palpatine, uh, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> what? Let's, what? We'll oh, talk about that later. Like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. We'll talk about it later. Don't don't worry about it. But um, I I feel like at the end of the day, I love that there's so much about like how do they and then the just hear rumors that in lesser space they use mechanisms some kind to do like yeah. I I found that part lesser so fascinating. Space, the yeah. galaxy we know as yeah. the Star Wars galaxy. Yeah. yeah, man, that's interesting. So just sticking with the Skywalkers for a second, like yeah. Harry. Why do you think that they lose their powers at like their their connection to the force at like as teenagers? It's interesting, right? Because we get a couple of different views of the force in this book, because now we we talked a bit about it. We talked about the mages or whatever their names are. And so part of me wonders is if it's if it's cultural, meaning that they don't actually lose their force they just live in a culture and this is me as a sociologist right talking about norms where this has been ingrained that i i'm wondering if naturally people if they're not trained if they don't get trained how to use the force it does become harder to connect with and that culturally since it's since we've as the chis agreed that people tend to lose this that it's almost this internal monologue that affects them right because we because we we see later in this book uh uh, Sherry using the force in a way 
we haven't seen before. Skywalkers aren't supposed to use this, right? So, yeah. so part of it is I feel like it's it's less about they actually lose it more that they feel like they've lost their connection. Maybe they, because of the norms of Chiss society, subconsciously cut themselves off from the course or unconsciously right. cut themselves off from the course like Luke does, right? But does it on a on an unconscious level. What's the, the answer to that yeah. question, Ben, might be tied to the the unknown history of the Chiss and mm. and the myth that is teased at the end of this book. It might be a like the social norm might be this self imposed moderation because they don't they don't want to get out of hand because in the past it had gotten out of hand. Yeah, or something, you know, like and so now they 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 only let the Skywalkers navigate for you know just their adolescence and then once they you know, age out of it. They, they, they want them to stop because they, yeah, maybe something in the past. I'm guessing an event in the past. It's I, we're actually, I think in agreement on this then. I, I mean, think, yeah. Cause I, you know, I, the, there is one theory you could say, and what they're saying is like, Oh no, it just goes away. And it, maybe it's biological and they just, this culture just loses contact with the force as a teenager period. That's the way it goes. But it, it seems more likely that because it's not nurtured, it just sort of goes away. This is like a new concept that, I mean, relatively new concept. I mean, that really came to light mostly in, um, for me in the Mandalorian where Ahsoka's like, ignore it. It'll go away mm, and that's with, right. with Grogu. And I was like, yeah. go away. Like I, I thought it was always sort of there, but this could be that example where if you, you don't actually practice with the force, then you do sort of lose it. And there, there could be a little parallel there with something about, the hope of adolescence that sort of goes dies and you and you become like an adult. But um yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's I, I think that that could be the right. I mean we're talking about the end of this book at this point where we yeah we basically um it's Thrawn, I think, who who asks Cheery to to basically do the in, inversion of you know navigating and instead actually altering an object in space. Yeah, and uh, the frigate and and moving it or the freighter or whatever yeah. that scene is, um, which is basically battle meditation at that point. Yeah, in, I didn't. I read that part is like instead of her moving, it was like she was seeing the future based on like reading the other person's mind when he was going when mm. you know what he would need to do, and so it, it was like an. I don't know. It was a very confusing part of the it. It was very vague, but I think what we because I I think I'm more so aligned. She actually with physically Grant. moved. I mean, she didn't move the stick, the <laughs> ship. She moved the navigator's hand on the joystick. Yeah, I think regardless, the important thing is like she used the force in a way that navigators are not or skywalkers are not yeah. supposed to use it or not aware they can use this. And I and I have a feeling that grant's right like we're gonna find out that we had a lot of force connected chiss and things went wrong i mean they all but said the chiss were involved in the sith wars yeah i mean they the line i have here is it is said that millennial ago millennia ago the chiss adventured into lesser space taking part in wars between two mm -hmm. hostile factions over vast and ever-shifting regions this is from jixtus by the way Palpatine. Uh, those factions reportedly have special <laughs> navigational techniques that involve computers or anyway. So this is where it gets into him revealing this. But like, like that's fascinating, right? So like the chips were out there. Yeah. And knew the force. And we I think we see a reawakening when Thrawn encounters Luke, uh, uh, Anakin, right? And and this is he starts realizing that what 
these Skywalkers are using is the Force. And and so part of me, this is why he's going to be exiled, where he starts bringing back dangerous things that have practices. been repressed, dangerous practices, right, that have been repressed in the culture. I think repression is kind of what I was going for, is that culturally the use of the Force has been repressed past just being able to use it to navigate through hyperspace. Right. And maybe that was a tactic used by the weird Sith, sentence. and maybe the Chiss had yeah. allied with the, the Sith during the, the Jedi-Sith Wars, and then yeah. maybe, the, maybe, maybe the Sith were the first to kind of, like, harness these navigators and hold them captive inside starships, and then the Chiss just adopted that idea. Or maybe the Chiss, maybe it was invented before the Sith even, I don't know, but yeah. um, it, it would make sense that the Sith used that form of navigation as well. Yeah, I it seems more in some ways more. Well, I mean, maybe because of the way we see it used with Santeca and the way we see it used with these children, that it does seem more like a Sith thing, right? Like, yeah. like, like using people, yeah. slaving so, them to yeah. a ship. And the way Just we'll see with Ezra Bridger and uh, and Ahsoka, <laughs> right? So for the, if the Ezra Bridger casual... isn't a navigator. <laughs> Adam's going to be upset. I, I kind of will be. I mean, I'll let it go because I'm sure if they don't do it my way, whatever they do will Ooh. be better. But this is, I mean, we know that Thrawn's coming in. We know she's searching for Ezra. We know that Thrawn is familiar with Skywalkers and Navigators. And we know he's lost in the unknown regions with a person who can use the Force to navigate back through hyperspace. Hello. That's actually interesting because I imagined him sort of hooked up for some other like maniacal purposes, uh, Ezra Bridger. But he, he could be like Thrawn's captive slave navigator. Yeah. Through the that he just forces to to take him through the the deeps through deep space. And that's why Ahsoka is looking for Thrawn and not Ezra. Yeah. Because Ezra's with him wherever he is. Um, that's pretty can interesting. Can we talk about Jixtus? Can we get all that stuff yes. out? Sure. Yeah. Let's talk about it. So dark hooded figure can't see his face or his hands. He wears gloves. Sure. Um, dark hooded figure uh, cackles scheming incessantly. Cackling. He starts a like sentence excellent. with good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure does have some hints there. You There's know, also an incredibly strange moment where Hapliff and I, the other person who's with him, uh, they, they, they're like my heart is palpitating that I have to talk to Jixtus. And they're like, my throat is palpitating <laughs> while like, I'm talking to Jixtus. Throats don't palpitate. I'm like, are these just like giveaways? Is this just like yeah. explicit? Yeah, I think, I think guy he's is palpitating. A, a hint there. I mean, also I think Hapliff calls him Lord Jixtus. He's yeah, like, right. He's, they call him, they like, yeah. address him as Lord. Uh, yeah. And I mean, there's the other part. I don't know if I have it here, but they, that for some reason, I don't think I was reading on a multiple devices, so I didn't record this. But there's a part where where the other person talking to Jixus is like, oh, well, yeah, watch out for Thrawn. Oh, we can kill him. And Jixus very clearly says we don't need to kill him. Right. Like there are other things we can do with this person. So we right. know that like we know that Thrawn was brought into the Empire via um, Palpatine, that he had he understood the use of that it's always been kind of the lore that Palpatine wanted Thrawn in the Empire. Well, yeah, he did seem to attract the Emperor's attention quickly at, yeah. as he, in the beginning. I mean, like really soon. He like, and you're right, Thrawn entered the Empire and he was like, oh, interesting. Yeah. And then like immediately. Yeah. Um, Jixtus, I mean, Palpatine wanted to to talk to him. And yeah. there, there seems like there's this unsaid 
like friction between Palpatine and Thrawn in when you read the the original Thrawn novel and you Yep. You know, it's like did he know that if if Jixtus is Palpatine, did Thrawn know that he was tampering with the Chist ascendancy and trying to incite a civil war? Like did does he know that the Palpatine was always trying to crumble? I'm you guessing know, not. His society feels Right. has his connection to the Chiss Ascendancy. Even when he's exiled, I feel like he wouldn't be cool with that. Yeah. Do you think it's actually Palpatine or or is it um one of the messenger droids? No. I guess it has I guess he has feet, probably, so maybe not, but because there was a a line, it was Jixus's voice, the hand movement proved at least that the hooded figure wasn't a statue or mannequin. It could still be robotic, though. Close. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that's a good call because I was wondering, like, this guy's the like Palpatine at the time is the chancellor, or no, at this point, em- no chancellor, still chancellor, not emperor yeah, yet. So he can't really be like, like just you know, jaunting away to have like a, a conversation, right? With and all this time, and you're right because they made it clear that it wasn't a hologram. So, Ben, I think you're absolutely right. I think we're going to see, like, an early version of the messenger droid. Yeah. But, like, how do you get a vocabulator to sound like a human voice and not like a robot and have that immediately apparent? I mean, this galaxy. C-3PO sounds like a human. I mean. He just sounds like a, like, 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 just a, you know, just a, just a British. You you just put him behind a whatever. He sounds like a human. Okay. I buy that. I buy that. It's um yeah, it's curious. We it might is. actually be if we're going to talk timeline here, we could actually be in the early stages of the empire at this point. Uh, well, let's see. So the timeline according to Wikipedia is 18 BBY. Oh. Yeah. Well, so yeah, that actually... it's right the Great Jedi Purge, so it must be the right after the uh right after the purge. Uh, yeah, I think so. Mon Cala is subjugated by the Galactic Empire. So we are Galactic Empire time. Pyre, yeah. Okay. So Katana joins Bail Organa and his fight against the Empire. So, yeah, so we're talking about, yeah. yeah now this first. is the early days of the Empire. This is actually oh, the metaphor he makes with the, what he talks about with the birds, where he's like, you know, these birds are like migrating, but then there's all these like predatorial birds that like gathering around them or something. And I was like, is that just a metaphor for the empire eventually, uh, you know, uh, surrounding the Chiss ascendancy and taking it out by the end of these books or something? I don't, the I don't know. Predator birds uh, protect against the the physical predators, or at least they just stand watch and look mean and protect yeah, the other birds. So, uh, if you're curious, some of the other stuff happening at this time. This thing is worth catalyst. Uh, the book Catalyst takes place during the same time period. Uh, some of the books of comic books, Darth Vader. Uh, and I bet, then I bet Bad Batch actually is happening right now. That's not fair because, yeah, because we get Kanan numbers three, four, and five happen during this time. And then the book, our favorite book, Lords of the Sith, uh, take place during the same time. So I don't know, maybe right after getting stranded on a planet with Darth Vader and just <laughs> a Ryloth. Yeah, yeah, right. it was a pretty quick trip. I think Vader and and uh, and Palpatine oh just and yeah. Sidious just See, cut a bloody swath through a small portion of Ryloth and left. 
So, and the Bad Batch takes place 21 years BBY currently. So it's three years before this book, if I'm doing my math correctly. Yes. So three years after the Bad Batch, this happens. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Pretty close. It's kind of actually some yeah. interesting right synergy there. that no yeah. one's talking about, um, except for us. Um, so that cool. means it's three years after, uh, yeah, three years after Order 66, basically. So three years into the new Galactic Empire for peace and prosperity. Cool. Yeah, I mean, interesting. That's going to be like, it could just be like, and I was watching the whole time, you know, Palpatine was there the whole time and, and you know, Thrawn will never know until later. Maybe, you know, maybe he will deduce that like he was pulling the strings. You know, this is something we could see in the Mandalorian or something. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, with the super it, weapon being teased at the end, I, it makes me think like we know the Chiss are are are, are very bright. Like, could they have? De- and you'd think, being the military strategists that they are, that you'd think they would devise a super weapon of some kind in their past. Uh, could the Death Star be be? Could the idea for the Death Star be something that was inspired by the Chiss or an invention of that the Chiss had created long ago? I always Maybe. thought it was a Geonosian design, but because the Geonosian is kind of it started there or the first plans. But, yeah, it could be like the actual architecture of it started there. Yeah. Because, I mean, in this book, we have these meteors or these small moons, you know, mm-hmm. that have false fronts. And then they're missile launchers, which yeah. is kind of quaint um, or cute even. Um, but, you know, they move a lot like Death Stars. And so, yeah, I mean, it could be they're sort of teasing that. When I when yeah. I read Star Flash, I was like, yeah, it sounds a lot like Death Star to me. Yeah, I had the same yeah. thought. But, I, you know, what's also interesting is we know that Chiss Homeworld was destroyed for all intents and purposes, right? To, to quote from the book, our sun's output suddenly changed and the temperatures dropped until the entire surface was frozen. Um, that sounds a bit like Starkiller base, too, right? Like, so if they had developed yeah. something that starts sucking energy from the sun. Uh, yeah. So maybe. Right. Oh, that could actually be an easy. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah, that's interesting. So it's like the these designs for the final order really originated in the chaos and then ultimately came back to the chaos in Exegol. And uh, this was his side plan all all along. That'd be some really cool synergy if they sort of tied it up that way with through the Chiss Ascendancy. Yeah. I mean, and also if we get these Mandalorian things and as we're setting up um, Rise of Skywalker and, and the, you know, the sequel trilogy. They could really, as they're discovering the beginnings of the the first order, they could, you know, it, there could be, I mean, we know the first order was hiding out in the unknown regions for a while. So um, in the, in the chaos. So there's, there's probably going to be some overlap there between the Chiss and the first order. And this could be it. This could be the tie-in. Yeah. We solved yeah. it. Um, a couple other things with Jixtus. One is he, so there's also, for some reason, there's a recurring character, uh, Kalori of Hyperconon or something. Um, the Pathfinder who, uh, I actually liked in this, this thing a lot. They use the same navigator for everything. Um, but I, I really love the part where there, you know, he was just like, if there's going to be chess commanders there, I don't want to be around, especially. <laughs> and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, they have some good commanders. And he's like, no, Thrawn. And they're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Shipman? Like, and he's like, no, that guy. He's like, it's over. If you deal with him, it's over. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, he no, killed just... Commander General Commander Yiv of the Nicardu. Yeah. Like he killed he, like yeah, and he tells Jixtus about that. And I think that's that's the moment when Jixtus is first told about Thrawn, right? And, yep. and yeah. 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 And yeah, Jixtus is, you know, robes tented a bit there, I think, when he heard that story. <laughs> <laughs> but um I uh, yeah, it was kind of great. So there's that, but there's also he has a weird mission, and it's to discover what sort of na- oh how the um, how the Chiss use navigate space, and whether it's yeah. a mechanical thing. And so Kalori's worried about losing his job. I can relate to that. He doesn't want to be replaced by hyperdrive, um, though he doesn't know what a hyperdrive is yet. Right. But, uh, but that's one of Jixtus's uh, one of his, his angles there. He wants to know. So I don't know. I thought that was kind of. I guess that's it. He he wants to know how they're how they're navigating hyperspace. Maybe it's just curiosity, or maybe he suspect you know he senses the force there, which he would if if this is actually our guy, Sidious. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, we haven't talked much about the um, actual naval officers in this. Um, it's really it's. I don't want to say more of the same. That's that's underselling it. It's amazing and the best part of this book. But um, anything you want to say about Admiral Arlani or Lakindo? Yeah, I, I wanted more Arlani in this book, like a lot more yeah. than the last book. Yeah. And it was almost the same, ex- like same amount. It was like yeah. a lot in the beginning, a lot, you know, more at the end. But then Actually, it was the- really the beginning. And then she was sort of gone. I mean, she yeah. was left to comes back, I think, toward the end. But yeah. Um, yeah, it wasn't right. I, I thought we were gonna get a lot more from her perspective, but uh, hoping that maybe we get a book or a comic or something like that in the future um, that showcases that character because she's pretty cool. I'm sure we'll see mm-hmm. more of her in uh, the next book. I've always wondered there. I mean, it felt like there was a romantic interest there between Thrawn and and Arlani. They've known each other for a long time. I just sort of wonder if I think they went to the ca- academy together. They like, did, yeah. Is, yeah like the last book there were like these really like i don't know say romantic but like flirty scenes where they're studying military strategy and like martial combat and stuff like that yeah Uh, it definitely felt like there was potential there yeah and i there's some fan art and stuff about like a female chiss and it's floating around the the internet and i'm I'm pretty sure it's arlani so and i just wonder if she's gonna have a bigger bigger role to play later on um so yeah who's uh, that and i love sumacro i love the um uh the, the name is now escaping me again but the pilot or the kind Black of like sphere gunner right next to thrawn who thrawn always is relaying orders to and it's it's awesome like i love that guy's response every time that guy responds to thrawn it's like those are my favorite beats in the book yeah Lachnim. Yeah. he had a yeah, great arc in this you know we see him and he's referred to as the best like um what is it uh what are the what are they called? Plasma cannons? Sphere gunners? Sphere, sphere gunners. gunners. Yeah, yeah, so the plasma sphere. So he's a sphere gunner, and he's on the main deck, and then he gets promoted uh, to the... It's the internal part of the ship. It's like the second... It's like the emergency part of the ship, but I guess it's, yeah. you know, uh, like a secondary command in case the bridge gets smoldered. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, and... In, in, you know, we, we get through Thalius's point of view. He doesn't really understand it, but he's sort of like been promoted to mid management where like either you sort of jump out of or you're there for the rest of your career. 
and go to die. And she's sort of like, oh, like he's all excited about it, but she's like, he, that could be your last great position. But he continues to show his worth over and over yeah. again and, and get commendations from the people around him. I was a little sad at the end of the book. They didn't really, they didn't really put a bow on his story. I, I thought it warranted a, a promotion. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw more of him in the next book um, in a promoted position. Yeah, right. I think so. it's it's more about Sumacro when it comes to those kind yeah. of um, the officers and leadership that are closest to Thrawn. Right. Um, yeah, he was fantastic. Um, Wu Tree or Wu True. She was, you know, she's a good good character as well. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it was just I mean, we're underselling it because the I mean, the, yeah, the naval battles were my favorite part of this book. Um, yeah, they're just fantastic and they're so fun. Um, but it was great. Um, one more thing I have as a question for you, if I mean, it, unless you have anything pressing there, is there any part of this book that sort of, you know, we can be critical here that you saw and you were like, huh? Because hmm. I've got uh, there's just I think the naming it it gets tough to wrap your mind around all the names and, and yeah. keep track of the characters that gets tough. Um, especially with the everyone sharing the same like you know prefix or or whatever, you're yeah, just like yeah. ah, I don't know who's who at this point. But um, that gets tough. Um, I think the brooch, like the jewelry piece, the brooch thing was like I really enough. I didn't really care about that whole thing, but like I, I didn't. I just couldn't believe that that was such a big plot point. Like that was such a big MacGuffin-y kind of thing, and I was like, really okay, <laughs> the jewelry. <laughs> Yeah, right. we're going from like warships, like naval tactics to like a hair brooch. Like what is happening right now? Yeah, um, that was a bit strange, but uh, but made sense when you got to the Nyax. And now I, I now the Nyax is in the universe. I'm like, how many medals are, do we talk I about know. now? We talk about Star Wars. We got Nyax. Well, we have Beskar. We have Durasteel. You know, we have vibranium. No, I'm joking. That's the other. Yeah, universe. yeah I was, I was going to say yeah, that. Say. Uh, uh, but, cortosis, but is that still a thing? Bondar? Like, there's, I don't, I, there's too much. Nyx. I don't know what's going on anymore. We got to bring, yeah, we got to bring casual back in to, um, to explain the science of all this metallurgy. I'm sure he knows yeah. something. About Remember, we're talking about different, different civilizations that don't deal with lesser space. So Nyx could be Beskar. It could just be their name for Beskar. Yeah. We don't know that because yeah. I had a sneaking suspicion and I was proven wrong. But when I started reading that, I'm like, is this just kyber crystals? Did they discover kyber crystals? I thought it was going to be like kyber for a while and then it wasn't. And then it was Nyx. And I'm like, is it just Beskar? We'll find out. Like, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Um, I have. What, what was I yours, actually, ben? I'm fascinated. All right. So I have one. I, I will just say I, I, I had no problem with the naming convention. I, I know it's like it, it is confusing. But like if yeah. you read a lot of sci fi and fantasy, which is like all I read, I'm, I'm not. Yeah um it's like you know i mean lord of the rings too it's the same thing there's a lot of it's people true. or Bingle. game of thrones yeah they yeah. use a lot of the same and it just goes over or you know gabriel garcia marquez like if you read 100 years of solitude <laughs> you read the yeah. same like 10 you know a higher generation had the same name um and i don't know I, it's yeah i thought that was fun so this was one moment is when so the the um the girlfriend of Yapanik, <laughs> the the fiance, I'm sorry, is like gets spaced because uh, yeah. she knows too much. 
And then, and then there was this like, and then so they go to Yapnik and they're like, oh yeah, she had to go. She decided to go back to the mountains. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, Adam, you like Yapnik? Yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, but you can pursue That's your dreams right. while she's doing this. Everyone, it's a win-win. And it's like, yeah. so the quote is, uh, now both your hopes and dreams will be satisfied. He shook his head in admiration. Very clever girl. She is that, Yapnik said, his face clearing. Well, if that's what she wants, I guess she's old enough to make that decision. When do we head for Solon? That's, yeah, that's, it was a weird... A I, I, I forgot about that, Ben. But you're well, right, I'm like, no follow-ups? Like, no follow-up questions, no, like... And then three months later, he was like, wait, where's my girlfriend? Yeah, where is she? Yeah, I mean... Half I was like, I hope she she better have her, like, data pad, her, like, questus with her, and, like, all the information she's taking down, like, goodbye. Spaced. Yeah, I mean, I was just thinking to my honeymoon, and I was just like, if my wife, like, you know, someone was like, oh, yeah, she decided to leave for a while without saying goodbye. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like, oh, was this their honeymoon or like their wandering year? They were their wandering year. It was kind of. You were broader. They were fiancés during their wandering year, and this was their, like, you know, romantic. Yeah. They were very close. They were nearly betrothed. Like, it was a very serious relationship. So I was kind of like, it just, it read to me like a horror movie now that you're mentioning that, Ben, where it's like, like, hostile. Where I'm just like, I'm reading this. I'm like, yeah. I mean, I'll follow this because the movie's going to end right. with like it's a horror movie. So I'm just like going along, not questioning yeah. things. But the second I started thinking about it, I'm like, cool, cool, cool. Three months later, no questions. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's right, kind right. of never brought up again. Where I'm just like, all right. Yeah. Really, I got a phone call. Without her. Didn't, yeah. Didn't want to send her a text or like yeah. give her a phone call. Like, I guess I'm going to go. Love you. Like none of that. That was I mean, in, in Star Wars is rife with this stuff. It happens all the time. But. Um, and this is the only time in the book, but that was the one I was like, hmm. yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> All right. Um, anything, um, anything else is standing out from this book? I think we've done a good solid, solid uh, work on this, this piece. It's, it's a fantastic book. It's really good. He's such a great I hope writer. everyone listening loved it. Um, I'm, do you want to skim in your notes here? I think I think I hit all mine. I think I, hit all mine. I wrote down there's always a bigger ship. Because <laughs> <laughs> I felt in every scenario, Thrawn is like, uh-uh-uh, there's something else out there that's bigger and you people just aren't counting right. Yeah. And he corrects everyone's count, by the way. Every time people count the sh- number of ships in front of him, he's like, there's not 10, there's f-. He's like, there's not five, there's 10. Yeah. Like, there's, there's, not six, there's, eight. there's not 15 like, there's five you're like wait what <laughs> it's like okay thron yeah. i think i would like to serve on thron ship because i feel like i feel very safe yeah but at the same time i think he'd be insufferable like i just i could not imagine serving under that man where i just be like uh yeah, yeah uh-huh. that was the semacro quote he was just yeah like, he's a jerk he alienates his staff um, he de- he doesn't follow orders, but you know, ride or die. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, which I just think it's so accurate. Yeah. But he, there are definite examples of ethics with Thrawn in this. Mm-hmm. Like, just sort of like, there's one line I believe: um, "All lives are important," and I resist the thought of standing by yeah. two hundred possibly needless deaths. And that's you know, that's a pretty glowing thing with, yeah, with the, Thrawn. That was like the save save the cat moment right in the beginning of this book, where he's like. I'm gonna keep these people from from killing themselves, and you're just like, oh, all right, you're you're a good, dude. Yeah, yeah. And then I, I, I yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I think Sorry. he just got bilked by the by uh, Palpatine, right? And this idea of order, right? I don't think he saw the politics of Palpatine. That's why he was able to manipulate him. And the question I had is, do you think if he was discovered by the New Republic that Thrawn would have been an admiral in the New Republic? I do, and I, I was thinking yeah. of the Holdo maneuver, and I was like, Thrawn would have been a good person to do the Holdo maneuver if they yeah. had... I, I love Holdo and all that stuff, yeah. but like, just the poetry of that yeah. moment would be pretty big. Mm. Yeah, if we... if, if I mean, if we get my Thrawn torturing Ezra, I don't think we're ever going to get a redemption for Thrawn, but there's a world where I see Thrawn might be an ally in, in, in this. Like, he's... We see him. I mean, he's evil in a cartoon, right? But we do love in modern popular media, right? A redemption story. A redemption story. And so you can see him just, you know, I just I'm the person that I don't get politics, but you're the you're the people leading this now. I you know just point me where you need me, and I'll figure it out. Um, I'm so skimming my notes. I some really great things I love about Thrawn's right uh, Zahn's writing. <laughs> Easy mistake to make. Um. He he's really good in the galaxy where he creates um, I like his he there's a lot of science. He works like time relativity and travel. Remember, they had like two weeks yeah. to make a trip and they're like, well, if we go and we leave and if there's time differences, we can't really calculate that. Like they actually took in relativity, like yeah. sex theory, relativity there, which is pretty cool. Um, I also like his naming things i love grousers and i love yubels lay off my yubels yeah, yeah yubels. wait grousers yeah. were those creatures on they're dogs yeah, yeah yeah i mean they're they're sheep dogs slobber they have slobber i swear the the one they had name was slobber or something you did that's that's correct it was slobber yep. that's one of my notes is slobber that's a great name yeah just make sure you warn her not to get in their way between them and the grousers you know how slobber gets when someone messes with his herd um there was uh, there was like dietary stuff. It's like make sure if we're giving them food that their species can eat it. Like that's those are the details that I need to like yeah. feel like I'm in the galaxy and I'm glad he did it. Um, there was another thing as well. Oh man, all I can see is Yubels. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, no, it was a, it was a, it was a turn of phrase. He's like. One of one of my favorite quotes is sometimes some yeah it's talking from Lebowski. It's like sometimes uh, you eat the bear and sometimes the bear eats you. It's you yeah. Um, <laughs> and but this one it says some days you're the grouser. He quoted the old saying to himself. And some days you're the grouser's son. Today clearly he was the latter. Yeah. And I don't know what that means, but I, nope. I'm pretty sure it's pretty similar to the yeah. bear um, program. Exactly. And uh, I, like that's that's some effort right there. It's like nope, I need to do an in-galaxy, you know, like thing. And some raiders, they just use, like, standard Earth, like, lingo. Yeah. And I don't know. Lazy seems like a too accusatory term, but it's like, come on, go the extra step and, and be creative and come up with, like, another, you know, thing for to, to yeah. draw you into it's, the galaxy more. It's world building. You just feel like you get it. Like you, you, like yeah. you said, I don't know exactly what that means, but I know what it means, right? right. Like I know enough to context clues. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I like when nice um, Thrawn's talking to that thing. Uh, um, oh, sorry, Adam. Where you... No, 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 I was done. Oh, um, I love that moment when Thrawn's talking to the uh, uh, the Admiral on the Patatus 
freighter and it's obviously like that light show exercise but he's like he's like he's like you were like you were like witness the full power of like the chess ascendancy and the guy's like he's like what did you say are you are you certain you want to make this like move and he's and thrawn's like i stand by the precise words yes statement and he's like are you sure you want to do he's like (laughs) yes i I stand stand by by the precise words of my statement and i was like that's a great way to just end what you end your speech. Yeah. yeah it was like Nothing a, a dope Admiral yeah. secret handshake there. That was great. That was a, yeah, really great new piece to of storytelling for Thrawn. That was awesome. We live in a twilight world. There are no <laughs> friends. With us. That would have been a great moment if Zahn added a little tidbit like that. Because I didn't, I didn't get the Thrawn knew that that was a light show exercise. I was like, really? He knew that? I mean, Thrawn knows everything. I, yeah. He had to do, he had to do a test first, and then he was yep. like, "All right, we're good." Yeah. And that, talk about the science. That scene was like, "Oh, the lasers are calibrated yeah. to the space dust." That's like, <laughs> yeah, floating. Yeah. I was like, "Whoa!" I was like Ben loves this moment. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I was like, yes, space dust. <laughs> now we know why we can see it. I'm going to go to my dad and be like, see, yeah. this is why we can see lasers in space. Space dust. <laughs> there this you whole... go. Dad. <laughs> um, yeah. Cool. Yeah, I think that's it. Uh, except for there's a weird other plot line. So it's connected to the Thurfian plot line, but Dalius is her spy on Thrawn. It's like and like halfway through the book or three quarters of the way through the book, she's like, "Oh wait, I haven't been doing a very good job spying. I better like <laughs> yeah figure that out." And there was this quote from her. It's like, "Still, he hadn't said it was to be kept a secret, at least not from Thrawn. More important, the better she could convince him she was part of his inner circle, whether or not including her had been his idea, the likelier it was that she could get information out of him instead of continually being kept in the dark." Like what? Like where did that come okay. from? <laughs> I felt like, like all of a sudden she's like, wait a second. Now all of a sudden she's mad. She's, you know, not being allowed to do her spy job. I, yeah. I forgot that was even happening. And I'm like, part of it felt like you were writing like, like, and this is a great book, but Zom was writing it like, like literally. It was just like, oops, it's too hard to go back and add in a few paragraphs. Some, sometimes I did think it was a bit, it was overly complicated. I mean, like when it comes to like the. Um, not the not the valiest <laughs> stuff, but just the, welcome to his science. the sciencey logistical yeah know, yeah um, stratagem stuff. I felt like when it came to like a fr- like a freighter controlling things remotely from like the, I was like this is just too much. Like I don't I don't need this. I don't I don't need all this kind of like um, it's uh, it's I mean drones, man. Right, drones are yeah, very. Yeah. I mean, it is very much, I know we keep saying this, so, you know, we don't need to keep going on and on about it, but it is, it is a Sherlock Holmes story, right? Like, it's always the same thing as like, there's not enough hints for you to solve the mystery along the way. There just aren't. There just is not. Yeah. Right. So you have to accept that. The action unfolds and then everything's given to you after by Thrawn gives you all the information right. basically right so yeah. you have to learn how to read one of these books and it's different than other mystery books where you can read and try to crack the code it's like i've read i've read every sherlock holmes story by doyle four times over now and so i think that's why i'm good at reading this was just like you just go for the journey you don't try to figure it out because right. they do not provide you with enough to figure it out but man is it satisfying when you know 90 percent of the way through Thrawn slash Sherlock Holmes sits you down and tells you this is what happened. And you're like, oh, that's really clever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
yeah. I love that. I love it every time. Yeah. I don't know yeah. why. I do. It's like, oh, it's a Nick Ardoon. It's a Nick Ardoon dreadnought, but yep. it's not piloted by the Nick Ardoon. I, it's the Pakash, you know, na- natives. I was like, okay, like, yeah. all right. <laughs> I didn't know that until you told me. That, right. That's this why... is a classic Vagari technique, you yeah. know, but they're, you know. Cigar, yeah, this, okay. this book is, is not short, and I was still able to get through it in a week because I just read it without ever slowing down. Right. Without, without ever yeah. questioning being like, am I missing something? And I'm like, if I think I'm missing something, it's because it wasn't provided. And it'll be explained to me shortly. There it is. Good. Yeah. And go. Yeah. Yep. And yeah. here it is now. Yeah. I did this book in three sittings pretty much. Yeah. It was yeah. delightful. I like it's it it's a, yeah, it's a great popcorny book. Like it's just it's it is very much it's written in a very old style mystery book. Right. Where it's just it is. It's very satisfying. All right, speaking of mystery, one last mystery. Um, Jixtus, who I think we all agree is uh, Sidious, um, he claims to be a Grisk at the end of the book. Well, he claims to be working, or he claims to be part of the Grixt. Right. I got the quote here. Again, Pathfinder, calm yourself, Jixtus said more severely this time. The Grisks lay blame only where it's deserved and only on those who fail us. Yeah. Each of our servants is responsible solely for his own decisions and actions, not for another's. So he's, I mean, that's an us. Yep. It's unclear, right? I mean, so from Wikipedia, they refer to it as the Grisk hegemony, right? Which always seems to suggest to me is that like, could be a civilization, could be a connection. It says the civilization was mysterious and alien, even within the unknown regions, only regarded as half myth, a species that were only known and seen by a few outsiders. Um, so part of me fought against just ascendancy as well as other factions and species by the region of the galactic, by the reign of the galactic empire, the risk began to make advancements into imperial territory. So my thought is that he is pretending to be grisk that the Grisk are a real species, but it's Palpatine machinations, right? Like he is, he is, he has seated himself somewhere in this, in this hegemony. He, you don't think it's, um, he could actually like be a puppeteer for the Grisks because we know they're a formidable. No, I think uh, he is. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. I mean, he is, we know they're a formidable adversary. Yeah. And I think they kill themselves before, you know, or destroy themselves before anyone can find who they are. And actually that's a, you know, we see that a lot with Haplif's group. I don't even know if Haplif really is an Agboy or, um, or yeah. not or Agaboy or whatever. Um, or, or if he's like something else. And I don't know when I hear hegemony or hegemony, um, I think that usually means like multicultural coming together. Yeah. To- that's kind of my thought. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know. We, I, I think we might be able to take him literal that he's actually leading the Grisks. Yeah, I think there might be. I think he might be. I think he's still him. I don't think he's actually a Grisk. Right. 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 But I think he is leading it. Yeah. And I think that's part of why he's. I mean, I, it's I not think a lot that, like the Nile. It does a little bit. I think that might be why he is. Like, there's no reason for Palpatine to actually cover his face and his hands to the Chiss or to these other people because they don't know anything about the Galactic Empire. Right. But I mean, he is the most popular guy in the lesser space. 
But it's like, do you know who the most popular guy in Uzbekistan is? Well, I mean, Putin. I don't, you know, like, I, but, I don't, but like, like, did you know what I'm saying? Though, like, like, he, like, they barely even know that the empire exists. So, I think part of what it is is that he doesn't want to show that he's not a grisk because they might know what grisks look like, and that's more right. of why he's he's mm. you know. Who's to yeah. say he 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 isn't manipulating the grisk? I think the grisk could yeah. be yeah. you know their own hegemony out in the unknown regions, and he's already infiltrated it. He's manipulating them. And then you can do wonderful mirroring in the next book where it's like, oh, the Chiss were manipulated by the Sith, and now the Grisk are being manipulated by this new dark threat, and there's a fun mirror there. It, yeah. And it, does that sound like a Phantom Menace? Right. I know. I mean, it's pretty OP. Like, it's pretty overpowered the way that they're dressing up yeah. Darth Sidious, right? I mean, not just like the known galaxy, but also, you know, he has taken or is taking control of the unknown regions as well unknown to you know he wants to learn about the star flash and like the star absorption you know technology but like compared to every other sith that came before him like sith lord like head and shoulders above above any of them i think with this effort he's spinning a lot of plates yes 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 (laughs) yes indeed um awesome with that um let's call it that was yep. um, a fantastic book thanks very much for listening to us on this one um and we'll talk to you again next week with some more uh, great stuff but um thank you timothy zahn for a fantastic book can't wait for the next one and may the force be with you this is grex Kondak signing off for the latest breaking news follow at Coreworld news on twitter and instagram thank you and good night remember the force will be with you always Oh! <laughs>